let's go to the fight. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. If you were absent from us this morning, uh, I'd encourage you to, uh, as soon as it's available, uh, to listen to part one of the message uh, that was delivered to us this morning in order that uh, you may understand the context of the battle that we are in and uh, the fight that is indeed a worthy fight for us to be a part of. We'll read again Galatians 5 starting at verse 13 through the end of the chapter. Let us hear then God's breathed out word to us. For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite, you devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Let's fire the reading of God's word. Let's again ask for God's blessing. Our dear Heavenly Father, on the threshold of a new year, we look back and we thank you for all the blessings you have given us, for how you have strengthened our faith in times of need, times of tribulation, temptation. Lord, we ask you now to strengthen our faith for the coming year. For the battle is strong. The enemy is wily. The enemy is very clever. And he knows our weaknesses. But Lord, with you, he cannot conquer. So give us the strength. Give us that ability to hold firm to you. We pray that you will give Pastor Bob insights, wisdom. You will give him the words that he needs to convey these truths to us. We just ask these things in your holy name. Amen. Amen. As I alluded to this morning, in fact, uh, in fact, many of you, many of us will be spending a good portion of tomorrow, perhaps the next several nights following uh, 
getting our fill of the sport of football. Some of you could care less. But as I use the illustration this morning, what a, a letdown it would be if after getting ourselves all prepared, perhaps psyched up for some big game that we want to watch tomorrow or the following days, to not have our team show up. Have the other team come rushing out of that tunnel, their band playing, jumping up and down, and then we wait. And our team never shows up. They just decide not to fight. They decide not to play. They're not even going to try. We would be greatly disappointed. In fact, we'd be greatly bewildered by such a circumstance. The sinner is one who never shows up at the struggle against sin. The believer is the one who joins in the struggle, who joins in the fight, who joins in the conflict. But, to continue the illustration of football, some of you will undoubtedly hear sometime, if you watch, if you listen, and, and those of you who are perhaps avid, avid fans will, will know this line comes every so often. In fact, almost once a game, it seems like. You will hear someone say, it doesn't seem like they were ready to show up. It doesn't seem like they have any game plan. It doesn't seem like the players are ready. This certainly is not going to lead to any sort of victory. In fact, some of us undoubtedly have to confess the fact that oftentimes our favorite team is outcoached. Our favorite team is outprepared for. And oftentimes we have to hang our heads and walk away in miserable defeat after miserable defeat. That is not what God desires for us as Christians as we engage in this battle with the flesh. God not only wants us to engage the battle, God not only wants us to fight the fight, God not only wants us to show up to fight and to engage the enemy in this war, in this conflict, but God lays out not only a battle plan, God prepares us and gives us the battle supplies that we need in order that we might know that the battle is indeed won. Those will be our three points tonight. A worthy fight, part two. A battle plan, the battle supplies, the battle won. First of all, what is the battle plan? Well, Paul lays it out for us rather easily. He says, verse 16, But I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now in 17, he's going to tell us of the conflict, but he's just told us the battle plan. This is the battle. This is how we will engage the enemy. This is how the fight is going to be laid out. Walk by the Spirit. Now that's a metaphor that is used throughout the New Testament. Three times in the Gospels, once in the book of Acts, 33 times by the Apostle Paul, once in the book of Hebrews, 10 times in John's epistles, 
and one time in the book of Revelation. It is the picture of life. To walk by the Spirit means to live by the Spirit. It means the norm by which we live everyday life. One commentator I was reading said, to walk by the Spirit is not to choose a path upon which to walk. It is life that we live. And I thought that's an interesting illustration for us to, to ponder. It's not like there is, there is some sort of choice that is before us. Here's one path, here's another path, here is another path. What Paul is simply saying to us as believers is live by the Spirit. That which is to be, that which controls us, that which is that which guides us, that which conducts our, or we could say the captain of our conduct, or the manner by which we are commanded, is the Spirit. It's not like before us as Christians are all these options. It's just this. It's living by the Spirit. That's the battle plan. To desire that which the Spirit desires. I am to walk. I am to live. The norm of my life. The normative principle of your life. Of my life is to do that which the Spirit would do. Now you ask the question, well, what does the Spirit desire to do? The Spirit's purpose and desire is to do but one thing, to glorify God. That's what the Spirit desires to do. So to walk by the Spirit is to live my life on a regular, ongoing, 24-7, normative pattern of giving glory to God. Not seeking to satisfy the desires of the flesh. It is those desires that war against, that are in conflict against, that are struggling against, that which the Spirit desires to do. One commentator made the point, he said, you know, if you, if you really look down at the list of the works of the flesh that follows, that Lord willing we'll look at next Sunday morning a little bit more in depth, he, he pointed out, he said, you know, they're really about self. It's about self-glory. So here becomes the conflict, isn't it? Am I living normatively, everyday life for my own glory, for my own satisfaction, for my own purposes, or am I living for the glory of God and all that that means and all that entails in every area and every facet of my life? See, the battle plan is this. Walk. By the Spirit. And you will not gratify 
the desires of the flesh. That, that, that flesh, that sinful nature, will not rise in triumph when we live on a normal scale, on a normal level, everyday, regular life, to the glory of God. That's the battle plan. It's sort of like, okay, and I, I, I hate to keep using the football illustration, but it, it, it seems to percolate in my own head this way. It's sort of like the coach who says, we will win every down. We are not going to give up one single down. We will win every down. Each one of you linemen is going to win the battle against your opponent. Each and every down. Each and every play. Each and every moment, here is the battle plan. Live, walk by the Spirit, seeking to glorify God. See, if I'm seeking to glorify God, I'm not going to be getting drunk. If I'm seeking to glorify God, I'm not going to be engaged in fits of rage. If I'm seeking to glorify God, then I'm not going to be involved in sexual immorality. If I'm seeking to glorify God, then I will not be absorbed in self. Here's the battle plan. Now, as we learned this morning, that is a constant struggle. That is a constant battle within us. That sinful nature, that old man, keeps revving Stoking itself up, and yes, so that we want to live for the glory of God. That's our desire, that's our passion. But that old man keeps coming in. But that doesn't change the plan. It doesn't mean we need, oh, we need a new strategy. No, here is the strategy. Daily, every moment, to live for the glory of God. Paul is going to use the expression later on that we are to be led by the Spirit. To be guided. To follow His lead. We're to go where the Spirit desires for us to go. We're, we're to be, as it were, pulled along by the Spirit. As He encourages us. Not as He chains us, but as He encourages Come, follow me, walk with me, keep in step with me. Let's keep going, let's keep going. You say, well, how does the Spirit do that? The Spirit does that by the Word of God. This is the way the Spirit leads you and I. This is what, this, what Paul is saying. Is to be the battle plan. That the Word of God, which is the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit, is to be followed on a regular, ongoing basis. It is to be normative for you and I that our lives are lived according to the Word of God. That means, does it not? We have to know the Word of God. 
We have to know what God is saying. See, some, some people might say, well, being led by the Spirit, that, that's your conscience. I don't know about you, but sometimes my conscience isn't all that holy. Sometimes my conscience is pretty well affected by my sinful nature. So being led by the Spirit is not conscience. It's not some sort of whoop on the side of the head every once in a while. Oh, this is what you ought to do, Bob. It's not dreaming a dream and go, oh, I see what the Spirit wants me to do. This is what the Spirit desires for me to follow. This is what God's Word asks of me. So we have to ask ourselves, how much of this do we know? Really, how aware of this are we? Here's the battle plan. You know, once again, the football illustration, every team has these plays and they, you know, they're calling out those numbers. Some of you perhaps watching football go, what, are, what is this, lottery picks? I mean, you know, 14, 16, 35, 8, blue, red. Can he make up his mind? What's going on? Right? That, that's all the battle plan. That's the playbook. Suppose I, I just walk out on the field. I'm a wide receiver. Or worse yet, I'm the quarterback. I don't know the playbook. Hey, Fred, why don't you go that way? And Joe, why don't you run that way? A few of you block. Remember, that's what happened in junior high. Okay, wasn't always very successful, was it? See, if, I don't, if, if I'm trying to compete in this game and I don't know the playbook, I'm not going to be very successful against the flesh, am I? How much of this do we know? Not only how much do we know, how much of it do we live? We, not you, we, including myself. You know, the first of the year is always a good time to set back and to think, what do I got to do differently this year? Maybe many of you are in some sort of Bible reading program where you read through the scriptures on a regular basis. Maybe others of you need that little encouragement. I need that encouragement again as well. Come on, get to it. Come on, on a regular basis. Read, 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 absorb, take in. Where does the Spirit want you to go, Bob? What does the Spirit want you to do? I put in the back several different reading programs. Some are five days, some are through the New Testament for a year, some are the whole scripture for the year. Pick one up if you're not in the habit. If this isn't a regular part of, of your life, pick it up. Start reading the battle plan. That which the Spirit is leading and guiding you and I to live.
My guess is, no, it's not my guess. I know, I know, because God's word tells me that by the end of next year, if Christ were to tarry, we could look back upon this year and say, I can see spiritual growth in my life because I know the word of God better because I'm living it. And we always got to make that connection. Need to be reminded of that. My own head needs a two by four now and then. It's not just knowing it. It's living it. Walk by the Spirit. Don't know the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. Live by that Spirit. Be led by that Spirit. Be guided that sp by that Spirit. Follow His lead in our life. See, we're involved in this struggle, Christian. You and I. We're in this struggle against that flesh, against that sinful nature. And thank God we're in the struggle. Thank God for the blessing of that struggle. But we got to be in the struggle. Am I a soldier of the cross? Are there no foes for me to face? We often think about out there. My answer to that question based upon Galatians 5 is, there are foes, and the foes are right here. The foe is that old man. That foe is that sinful nature. That's the foe that needs to be fought against. That's the foe that I, as a soldier of the cross, need to rise up and smite. So let's look. Secondly, at the battle supplies or the battle equipment that God gives. Note with me, first of all, Ephesians chapter 6. There is probably no passage that distinctly summarizes this more than this passage of Ephesians chapter 6. Where Paul reminds the church at Ephesus that they have been given equipment. Armor, spiritual armor. This is what you and I as believers have. This is what's available to us. Paul says then, put on, verse 11, put on that armor. It's there, it's available, put it on. The whole armor of God, not just pieces, not just parts, but the whole of that armor. That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The flesh, the sinful nature, that which he goads, that which he lures, that which he tempts us into sin with. What do I have to do? I have to know the battle plan. Yes. But I also have to put on the spiritual armor. And I have to put all of that armor on. So that when those things come. See, he's given me that which I need. He's not just saying, Bob, go out there, do your best, try your hardest. Folks, I've tried that, and it fails every single time. I'm sure you've had the same experience. You've tried it, and you've failed every single time. Because we try to do it in our own strength. Rather than that which God provides. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. 
For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand firm, tall, stand therefore, excuse me, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes... For your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. What a marvelous thing God has given to us. He puts us into this battle. Against our own sinful nature, against the desires of our own flesh. He says, here, here's the battle plan. Walk in the Spirit, be led by the Spirit. And here's what you need for the fight. Here is the spiritual armor I supply. You don't have to work for this stuff. This is what I give you. Put it on, put it on. Clothe yourselves with that which I provide. The second thing that is needed and necessary is a constant alertness. Look at the following verse of where we were. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Keep alert. A constant alertness, a constant awareness, never letting down our guard, never, never for a moment in the face of our opponent, our own sinful nature, do we somehow ease off. Do we? Yes. Of course we do. We have a sinful nature. It rises up against us. We have to continue to battle it. How do we continue to battle? By staying alert. Constantly. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1, 13. Peter has just finished this beautiful introduction of the fact that we are born again to this glorious living hope in Christ. He's given us the Holy Spirit. Now look what he says. Therefore, therefore. Okay, now it's time to, to, to move from the theological to the practical. Now it's time to move from that which we confess, that which we know is true, to the application of it to our lives. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your help fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What does it mean to be sober-minded, not dulled? Not lulled, not sleepy, not drunk. Awake, alert, fully cognizant of that which is happening. Later on, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Go there. Notice how Peter brings this up again. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That roaring lion is your sinful nature. 
Be alert. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. What is it that, that Solomon says in the Song of Songs or Ecclesiastes that we're to be careful of the little foxes that ruin the vineyard? Those cute little things that we think are so innocent and yet they destroy life. Constant alertness. Go to Mark chapter 14. It's interesting how when you read a passage in a, in a thinking about it in a different context, what comes out to you. Mark chapter 14, verse 34. We're in the Garden of Gethsemane. A real spiritual struggle going on, isn't there? Not only for Christ, but for those apostles. The sleepy apostles. And he said to them, verse 34, Mark 14, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on his face to the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, not as I will, but as you will. He came forward, found them sleeping, and said, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Now note the next phrase. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. You now go to Galatians chapter 5. What's going on? We're a struggle. A struggle with what? Between the flesh, our sinful nature, and the spirit. What does Jesus say to these men? He say to these men, you're not Christians. Come on, you guys. And he says to them, listen, I know your spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. So what do you do? Watch and pray. Be alert. Be on guard. Be prepared always. See what's going on. See what's happening. Constantly be evaluating. This is what a soldier does. It's what a good soldier does. Even when a soldier sleeps, a soldier is alert. If not, he's not a very good soldier. Watch and pray. Which leads us to the third thing in terms of the battle supplies. It's these. One, spiritual armor. Two, constant alertness. Three, active obedience. Actively putting it's not just sit there, guys, it'll come to you. It's not Jesus coming to these three disciples and saying, hey, you know, such is life, you know, do, you, do the best you can, you know. Go back to sleep if you need to. No, it's, it's, there's an active, be watchful, pray, put on, put on the spiritual armor. 
There is an active obedience. See, there are two problems that oftentimes we fall into as Christians. Either one, we fall into the, the trap of idleness, where we're paying no attention. We're just going through life and we're not realizing that the sinful nature is gradually encroaching more and more and more. And that the sinful nature is winning more and more of the daily plays of our lives. We're off living life and everything's great. But we're just not actively obeying the Spirit. We become idle. I'm sure if there isn't studies already, someday, someday, and, and this is no this upon those of you as teenagers and gamers, but I'm sure someday there's going to be some sort of study that's going to be released that's going to tell us all this sitting around watching television, all this sitting around playing games is going to dull, dull, dull our mind. Idleness. When I count the number of hours spent in some entertainment means as compared to the number of hours in God's Word, I have to hang my head in shame. But there is an opposite problem as well. And that's that we become so busy that we are too preoccupied to pay attention to spiritual matters. We're busy doing this. We're busy serving. We're busy with this. We're busy with that. We run here. We run there. We involve ourselves in this activity. We involve ourselves in this activity. It's for school. It's for church. It's for this. It's for that. And all we're doing is flying, flying, flying. And then we got to fly for the kids. And then we got to fly for this. And then we got this. And then we got that. And we're so busy that we fail to see the enemy of our own flesh, our own sinful nature, making inroads, making inroads. Because we're not paying attention. We're not actively obeying the Spirit's leading through God's Word. See, I have to put on. I have to be alert. Sooner or later, I gotta fight. It's Christian up and smite them. It's not Christian, wait, see what happens. You have to be actively obedient to that which God calls us to in every sphere, in every aspect of our lives. Because you see, the outcome is already determined. The battle is won. But just because the battle's won doesn't mean I don't have to play every down, every tick of the clock, every moment of life that God gives to me, I am to be engaged in this spiritual battle against my own 
sinful nature. But in the end, God tells me it's won. The battle against your flesh, Bob, is won. And every one of you can put your name in that slot as a believer in Jesus Christ. That battle, this lifelong struggle, is indeed that which is won. Let me give you three reasons why. One, because we belong to Christ. We are in Christ. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. What does that mean? What does that mean to be in Christ? The answer to that question is the same as the answer to the question that Peter gave the Philippian jailer. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Do you believe? Do you believe you're a sinner and that your salvation is to be found only in Jesus Christ? If the answer to that question is yes, then you are in Christ. Then you belong to Christ. Then this, vic- this, this struggle that you have as a believer, that I have as a believer, is a one battle. And it's one, not because of me, but it's one because of Christ. I think part of the reason, part of the reason that sometimes we as Christians fail against the flesh is because we think it's up to us. And we do not give Christ the credit he deserves. That sin Christ conquered. That sin Christ was victorious over. That sin Christ died for and he has risen victorious over. See, this isn't Paul giving us some sort of self-help manual. How to deal with our sinful nature. This is Paul directing us towards Christ. That's what the whole book has been about, hasn't it? Directing us towards Christ. See, part of the problem is we don't get our fill of Christ enough. We don't draw upon Christ. We don't look to Christ. We keep figuring out and try to figure out our own way of dealing with this. And it's Christ. It's at the feet of Christ confessing our sin. It's at the feet of Christ embracing Him as our Lord and Savior. It's our one victor. Belong. See, now go back to Galatians 5. Let's put this in context. Paul writes, down to verse 24, and those who belong to Christ Jesus, what has happened to those who belong to Christ? What does the text say? Those who belong to Christ have what? crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If I belong to Christ, then the flesh has been crucified. How did that happen? What did I do? Answer, I didn't do anything. 
Christ did. See, by belonging to Christ, that sinful nature of Bob Vimani, Christ took to the cross, he bore it on the cross, and he crucified it there upon the cross. See, my opponent is actually already dead. My opponent is actually already defeated. My sinful nature is already done. Thanks be to God who gives me the victory in Christ Jesus. Do I still, on an ongoing, regular, daily basis, have to fight this struggle? Yes. Do you? Yes. Never going never gonna to read a state of perfection here. Remember the, the, the confession question we read this morning? The, the confession statement about sanctification? I stopped at two. Listen to three. In which war, although the re remaining corruption for a time may much prevail, may much prevail, that sinful nature may much prevail, yet through the continual supply of strength from the sanctifying spirit of Christ, the regenerate part doth overcome. And so the saints grow in grace, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Why? Because Christ crucified my flesh on that cross. What does Jesus say? Matthew 16, 14. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. What's my cross? Christ is my cross. There is no other cross that can bring me victory over sin. There is no other cross that can atone for my sin. I know some people take this as being, you have to take up your cross. It's your burden through life to bear. I don't, think that, I don't think that's what Jesus is after. I think Jesus is, is pointing us to the one cross, his cross. Every day, every day, every day, I need that cross. Every day I need to be at that cross confessing my sin. Every day I need to be acknowledging Christ as the one sacrifice for those sins. And every day I need to be confessing that Christ is the conqueror of my sin. Maybe, maybe if you and I lived more in the victory of Christ, flesh, our sinful nature, not so much rise up against us. Belong to Christ. The flesh has been crucified. 
So keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step with the battle plan. Live by the Spirit. So as I said, next Lord's Day, we delve into what are these works of the flesh? Kind of the negative side of it. But then there's also the, but what is this life of the Spirit? What does that look like? Lord willing, Christ tarries. We'll have the opportunity to, to faithfully look at this too. For now, let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord, we thank you again for Christ. How little we have made of him in our hearts and in our lives. We make so much of self and so little of Christ. Lord, as we stand at the threshold of another year, may Christ be enlarged in our lives. In his name, God's people say, Amen.